Hello, and welcome to season 10 of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Recknell, a workplace mental health professional, speaker, podcaster, and an expert in hope. Bringing you these episodes with these incredible guests is my absolute favorite. I am so grateful for the privilege to share stories of transformation and to help you move through your own transformation with our one-on-one work together and with the help of the professionals who come on the show. The science of hope and positive psychology has had such a huge impact on me and my work. So I love that I also get to share knowledge, research, and stories from the evidence-based science as well. It is my sincere wish that you hear something that resonates with you in these episodes, that you feel the contagious power of hope, and you are motivated to take action over what you can control, all towards creating a future better than today. I have such a passion for this work, and I love connecting with my clients, with you, my listeners, and with the guests on this show to help create transformation. This week's awesome guest is Ronnie Parker. A wife, local mama, educator, mindfulness teacher, a Breathe for Change trainee, and the owner of Mindful Early Learning. For over 25 years, she has worked in the education field, teaching early intervention, preschool, pre-K through 12th grade special education. She's also a certified mindfulness teacher. In this episode, Ronnie shares her very hopeful story of how she teaches mindfulness to preschoolers, and it's super heartwarming. Without any more delay, let's get to it. Hello, Ronnie. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It is such a pleasure to have you here. You do such incredible work and you are spreading hope and joy throughout uh, your community with your kids. And I can't wait to hear so much about it. So maybe we'll just start there. Do you want to share your story with us and how you use hope to motivate action in your life? Sure, I do. So thank you again for for having me. I appreciate it so much. I'm so grateful. Um, I started off, um, I've been a teacher for 25 some odd years and I worked preschool and, and in this, our school system. I am a certified K through eighth grade uh, severe special ed teacher and I was getting burnt out and I was having a lot of personal stuff going on that was burning me out. And so that started my journey into mindfulness. And in my classroom, I had a lot of kids with self-injurious behaviors and they were injurious to other people. Once I started bringing in mindfulness into the classroom, the communication went up, the injurious behaviors were almost completely gone. It just was a new dynamic. There was respect. There is just, you know, joy, everything. Um, At this point, I was thinking, you know, I I may try on a different hat now because I think teaching's done for me uh, in that capacity. And so I opened my own business. And I started working um, with kids in homes and stuff like that. When the pandemic hit, I started working via Zoom. And then little ones were so anxious. Uh, they were absorbing all our anxiety from everything going on. So I started bringing mindfulness into that. And then I decided to create a camp for preschoolers. And it has mindfulness and also social-emotional learning skills. So that's kind of my, my journey to where I'm at now. Sounds so powerful. Tell me how these kids have embraced mindfulness. Is this something that they've done before? You know, a few have, um, not all of them. A few have been introduced to maybe some breathe, some breathing techniques. Where we live, they're, they're just, there's a lot of great programs. I'm in Santa Cruz, California. There's a lot of great programs Unfortunately, we don't have a lot that's focused on preschool. And so that's why I decided, you know, that, that's my sweet spot anyway. So that's where I love. And I was so pleasantly surprised at how the kids take off with it. 
they've, you know, even if they've never been introduced to it, they are using it at home. I'm getting emails and texts from parents saying so-and-so had a, a bit of a meltdown and he said, I just need a couple minutes to breathe. Can I just be alone for a couple minutes? And this is a four-year-old. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I'm, you know, going to be 47 tomorrow. I am still reminding myself to utilize these skills. So I just love hearing that at such a young age, they're acquiring these healthy coping strategies because that's going to serve them the rest of their lives. Imagine if we had been taught to take a moment to breathe when we were in, heck, high school. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Most definitely. I, I, I always think that, but then I also think for myself personally, if I wouldn't have gone on the journey I would have, in my own life, it wouldn't have brought me to this place. And I'm so grateful to be here and feel so blessed every day I get to teach a class and get to share this. And I learn so much from them too. And they show me what's working and what's not working and what I need to tweak. And then they add stuff to it. They'll come up with their own breathing techniques, you know, or they'll, they'll come up with other things that I'm like, you know, yeah, I needed your brain right now. Thank you. That feels so powerful. And it feels, I mean, it's such a great perspective, right? We don't want to regret anything. We don't want to, you know, wish that we could have not had that experience. And it does, it it totally takes us to where, to where we are. I think that's very good reminder, Ronnie. Thank you. (laughs) I Um, remind myself all the time. (laughs) Right. That's why we have these conversations. We never know what we're going to pick up. Right. Um, How do you teach mindfulness to kids? Can you like walk us through an experience of that? Sure. So what would happen in one of my classes is since it's mindfulness and social emotional learning, mindfulness is actually a piece of social emotional learning. It's one of the four, I'm sorry, one of the five core competencies. So it is part of like self-awareness, knowing how I'm feeling inside, understanding the feeling, knowing what's triggering me to have that feeling, and then learning what I can do to handle that feeling. So what I'll do is I'll every week and every, we have five week sessions, no session is ever the same. So 52 weeks of completely different curriculum. And I come in with a book, we read it, it has to do with mindfulness and or social emotional learning. And then we do an activity with that. I try to get them moving around and transitioning as much as possible, because I don't know which way they're going to pick it up, you know, use a kinesthetic approach to it. A lot of kids can't sit for very long. They need to be doing something. So we kind of mix it up. So we'll do an activity that correlates with the book. Then we'll do a yoga um, game or mindful movement game to just get our, you know, blood flowing and kind of break out of the sitting down position and stretch our bodies. And then we'll sit down and we'll do a new breathing technique every week. And then we're done. Oh, it sounds so powerful. You, I, I like the idea of books. So, uh, lifelong learning is 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 kind of my jam, and I I read a lot. And I think I think my love for reading started at a very young age, like in in preschool and kindergarten, with with being exposed to really cool books. And you were telling me a story of one of your students who was using this book at home, if I recall. I'm trying to think of what this, this story, oh, the color monster 
one. Yeah, yeah. It was so I go into schools as well, and um, I can you know have a, a class. So there was one school where I had fifty preschoolers, and I was teaching them in, in shifts in three different classes. And um, one had brought in the um, calling monster book to his classroom, and and was wanting to share that. And he he was calling me mindfulness Ronnie, and I thought that's a great name. I want to go by that name from now on. But he was, you know, showing like well, today I was feeling this way, and but I think I want to feel this way, and so it was just cool that they, all the pressure is not on them to come up with a feeling because we're such like I used to use the vis- visualization for my own daughter who's going to be fourteen, as we are like a rubber band ball of emotions. There's so every band is a different emotion, and we can just feel so knotted up. And so taking apart each of those and figuring out what I'm exactly feeling is really challenging. And the younger you are, the more challenging it is. And then another layer of it is as grown-ups, sometimes we try to push kids out of their feelings instead of letting them sit in it and process it and figure out a solution. And that's what they really need for some self-management skills too, is to be able to figure out this is how I'm feeling. Why am I feeling this way? What can I do to get out of this feeling? Or what can I do to have this feeling again, if it's a really good feeling? So it's about not not pushing them through it, but letting them sit in it and be able to be like, okay, this is what I need to do. Instead of being like, why are you upset? Why are you sad? Because they're human beings (laughs) and we all get upset and we all get sad and we all have uncomfortable feelings and it's uncomfortable to sit in them. But once we finally do and acknowledge them and sort of give them a hug and a kiss and just be like, you are fear and I love you and I'm figuring out why you're showing up right now. So let's figure out how to make sure next time this situation comes, you don't feel like you need to show up. It's just doing that kind of stuff with them and and showing them, you know, you're a fellow human being. I respect you. We may be many years apart, but you know what? I remember going through what you're going through. Because even just yesterday, I was having those feelings. How important is that language to be able to teach the kids how to express themselves through that language? It feels very powerful. It is super powerful. So I've worked in early intervention and early childhood and things like that for a long time as well. What I notice, and I, you know, you notice it with all kids, is the when they don't have words or their vocabulary or even just the language to express how they're feeling or their needs, we see behaviors. And, you know, when somebody is super frustrated and they don't have the words, they're going to act out and do things that they really don't want to do because they're not getting the outcome they would like to get, but they don't have any other strategy to use. So giving kids these strategies and giving them the words for it too is super powerful. I had a mom tell me just last weekend that her son was in the backseat and he's kicking and, and grunting and, and mad and stuff, and, and, but not verbalizing it. She goes, what's going on? How are you feeling? And he, she said, he just stopped and he was like, oh, I'm feeling frustrated. And she goes, okay, what can you do for that? He goes, I can take five deep breaths and try again for whatever it was he was trying to do that was frustrating him. And she was like, I was amazed that he came up with that on his own and I didn't have to tell him what to do. And I think that was a huge thing for her and for all parents is they letting them figure it out. How empowering is that to be like, I found this solution and I did this and how much their confidence grows. 
I was going to ask you about that, like the the impact on the families of these kids that you are getting to teach this to. You must see some pretty, um, you must you must see the impact really spread out to other siblings and to parents. Um, what kind of feedback have you had from the families? Oh, I've gotten such great feedback. I have. It's so cute too because in a lot of my classes, when we go to do the yoga poses or yoga game or mindful movement, a lot of the times the parents will come too, because sometimes we'll move to a different part of the room. They'll come and they'll do it with us. And then when we're doing our breathing and just regulating our body and stuff like that, I, I look up and I see them all doing it too. And so what I've heard as well is, you know, I wish I would have learned this at their age. And it's so helpful that we're learning it together. So it's, it's really, it's not just a class for the little ones. It's a parenting class too. And, you know, I tell them I learned all this. I had to learn all this and I learned it through trial and error. And I've used it with, with my daughter too. And I'm super grateful because now she's a teen and she's able to verbally tell me, you know, just identify all these emotions and also not fall for different things that other friends are doing because she's like, that doesn't feel good inside. That doesn't feel like that's a a good choice for me. And I just am so grateful for that. (laughs) And she's good. She's got the, she's got the foundation uh, and the language to be able to communicate that. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool? Like, you know, I think you mentioned behavior and how sometimes our behavior shows up in a certain way because we're unable to verbally express ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think of workplaces, communities, sports teams, all these places that we interact as adults where behavior is leading the way and really demonstrating our feelings out loud. Um, I think it's just a really nice reminder that when we see people behaving in a way that isn't in alignment with who we know them to be or mm-hmm. is in an accept unacceptable in, you know, in the workplace or in public or something that there's probably feelings at the heart of that. And it's not really about the behavior at all. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. We, and we see it in ourselves all the time. I know a few weeks back, um, I didn't have my best mom moment because I got triggered by something and I didn't see it at the time and and I acted out and, you know, I, I had to go back to my daughter and I had to apologize. And I was like, wow, I, I really kind of blew that up. And I am so sorry. I realized I was triggered by a, so my behavior was this. And uh, the consequence of that is, you know, that we're, I made us kind of have a little falling out and um, the accountability piece in that is really important is to be able to notice it. And I think the more we work on these skills, the more accountability or, or we'll know what our part in it is. And instead of everything's happened to me, it's okay, well, I have a part in this. What's my part? Let me identify it. And let me see if I can change that. Well, and then it breeds more conversation. It breeds authenticity and trust between mm-hmm. you and your daughter and or you and whomever you feel like you've behaved uh, not in a way you'd like to behave with you know, it opens the door to a conversation about that, which I think is part of the mindfulness, right? It's that self-awareness and the humbleness of being able to say, this is, you know, not how I wanted to show up and here's how I'm going to be better. Here's what I learned and help me understand how I can, you know, support you differently or whatever. Yeah. I think a lot of people think, um, 
that because this I'm a mindfulness and social emotional learning teacher that like I just float through life and like you know nothing bothers me and all my relationships are perfect but I'm a human and I'm continuously learning I'm open to learning and I'm I'm open to being better so I'm open for feedback about how I can be better and how I can be better for others well and I would suggest that you're probably more self-aware of the bonker bananas stuff that goes on in your life because of what you teach. Yeah. I I think that's, that's been um, a blessing and a curse (laughs) for me. (laughs) More of a blessing. Yeah. Also for the rest of your family, I would suggest. Oh yeah. (laughs) Maybe more of a curse for them. (laughs) No, no. Um, um, So parents that are listening and they're going, man, I really, I need to hang out with Ronnie. I need to learn more about her program. What if they can't get to you? Is there like, is there, is there a little small something that you could teach a parent that's listening to maybe do with their kids that would, you know, move the needle in a, in a positive direction? Yeah, I think the main thing is basically, I mean, let's just say your, your child is upset, get on their level. You know, if they're sitting down on the floor, come sit down with them. Just be open and say, you know, I I see you're upset right now. Do you want to talk about it? Um, As little language as possible, because we all know that when we're really upset, we're overwhelmed and we're not listening to anybody. So just knowing that they're safe and you're there and then maybe spotting, like depending on how young they are, like you seem really sad. What was making you sad? And that's just the beginning dialogue of giving them the language and let helping them notice what's going on. On my social media platforms, I um, post breathing techniques all the time and different activities and stuff like that. So that's always something people can pull from. You know, there's so many great sites and different platforms that have all that kind of stuff. So that's, you know, I'd say just, just dive in, get a book for kids about breathing or mindfulness um, that is, you know, age appropriate for them and do it with them. That's a great stepping stone. Well, and a great connection point be the opportunity to do that, to do it with them. Like you say, you know, you, you take your kids through these activities and the parents are right in there uh, with mm-hmm. them too. I think that that connection is really cool. And that education also might be very cool um, mm-hmm. for, for both parents and kids, you know, a little bit of self-awareness that they didn't know they needed. Mm-hmm. Oh, most definitely. I, I definitely think so. And there's nothing more powerful because you're your child's biggest teacher as your child seeing you model this behavior, because they're not going to listen to what you say. They're going to listen to what you do. And that's what they're going to mimic too. And so if you're modeling this behavior for them, then they're going to, they're going to be doing it. It's, it's just going to amaze you. Can you talk a little bit more about the work you do in schools? Like you go into elementary schools and talk about what, like what's a, a, a topic? I mean, a, a title of a, of a talk. So I'm just starting going into elementary schools. I've been going into preschool, but if I go into an elementary school, uh, we'll do sort of the same thing, but it'll be more age appropriate. So let's say, you know, we, we work on an activity that we think of what our, our happy places, and we'll just sit and we'll just take a couple deep breaths and, you know, I'll invite them to close their eyes or soften their gaze or they can keep their eyes open, whatever feels best to them. And just imagine where their happy place is. 
And then what we'll do is we'll start talking about what does it feel like to be there? What's a favorite memory there? What's something that, you know, I can smell when I'm there? So if it's being at a park, I can smell the grass. I feel my body feels the warmth from the sun. So just getting into that mindset. And then we might, you know, go ahead and and take some more breaths and, and do that. But it really, I scaffold it to the different ages because some are going to be able to really verbalize like it feels really good when I do this. It makes my stomach feel this way because we'll do a body scan. Then after um, for preschoolers, it's going to be a simple body scan. The older you get, the you know the more in depth we're going to get and the different answers you get, which is really cool. So we'll kind of work on the same themes like gratitude. Um, we'll work on maybe bullying. We'll work on, you know, just a whole realm of different things that attach to their lives. Another thing I ask parents is what's going on with your child that they're having um, a challenge with. Let's do a theme around that, that we can help give them tools because I can guarantee your child's not the only one dealing with this. Mm, that, yeah, it feels so, so powerful. Um, what's the reception been like when you say, you know, I'm a, I'm a, an, uh, a mindfulness teacher, a, a, a social I'm, uh, intelligence, social, emotional, learning. a social, emotional, um, instructor, you know, what do people look at you like, huh? We have to talk about our feelings or, <laughs> you know, or, or are they receptive? Um, overall people have been really receptive. The biggest thing I get is, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> My child loves to breathe. And I'm like, we all do. <laughs> what kind of breathing techniques does your child like? And um, just things like that. And I think people don't really know what it means to, to, we like the buzzwords and they are the very big buzzwords in education, especially right now, mindfulness and social emotional learning. But I think um, they're still sort of vague to a lot of people. So sometimes they ask me like, okay, so what does it really mean? And I'll explain to them, you know, this is what, you know, social emotional learning is, the five core competencies. We do self-management. We work on relationship building, self-awareness, social awareness, all these kind of stuff. And mindfulness is woven in there because between the space of when something happens and how you react, there's that sweet spot that if we can teach ourselves and our children to slow down, then they're not in just being triggered and reacting. We can have so much growth. We can have better relationships because we're really taking a, a breath and we're able to slow down and, and react in the way that will get us the outcome we want instead of being triggered by past trauma and then continuously seeing the same you know, consequence happen. So it's really, uh, it's been very fulfilling for me to be able to discuss this stuff because even if they don't take my class, just the awareness of the importance of all this is what I like to spread. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, and it's cool. I love that people are at least curious about it. You know, mm -hmm. if, if their response is, well, that's cool. It kind of invites you to share a little bit more, it feels mm -hmm. like. Um, yeah. Which even, you know, 10 years ago wouldn't have been a thing. I think of, so I have fabulous nieces and nephews and one of my nieces in particular, she's 11. And a couple of years ago, my sister um, was, was teaching her mindfulness as a way to, um, you know, 
untrigger her from a behavior. And she used, she used it so much on her own. Like she, you know, she took what mom told her she had to do and then used it on her own in various situations going forward. And it was so powerful for her. And I remember thinking to my, like that my sister was quite, I don't know, advanced in her parenting. Like we were never taught that, you know, from our parents, but they just didn't know. And I love that the curiosity is there and that we, we get to see and hear others that are doing the work and hear how beneficial it's been because, you know, I've seen a change in, in Sophia so, so much from that. It's been very cool. Yeah. It's so cool. And it's cool when you give them a strategy, which is really people can take them or leave them. But what I found is when you give someone a strategy, if they're not using it the way you show them, they've tweaked it to accommodate themselves. They've made it their own. And that is like the confidence and the ownership over that is amazing. You know, we've uh, gave my daughter a certain strategy for anxiety and she tweaked it a little bit and she uses on her own. We don't say anything about it and, and she does it. And she's just like, if this is what helps me, this is what really makes me feel like I can redirect and, and things like that. And I love that. I love when some kids, I'm like, okay, let's do this breathing. And they're like, well, can we add this piece to it? Can we be, you know, Elsa from Frozen and we're going to blow out ice? And I'm like, yeah, perfect. Let's let's inhale some water and let's blow out some ice. And, you know, just making it their own is what's so cool. So cool. And really reminds me, you know, we hear these experts and people that say you have to do this and you have to do it this way. And, or you don't, you get to make it your own. You get to see what works for you and, and test it and, and become aware of it and then tweak it and, and whatever to, until it does work for you. I think mm-hmm. that's really, really cool. Cause I, you know, five years ago, I would not have had a conversation about mindfulness in public ever before, because mm-hmm. that was not my jam. <laughs> But now I feel like I'm so much more open and I've seen the benefits because I've been able to tweak it and make it my own. I, I, um, I did a talk on Friday to a room of 200 women and we talked about breathing at stoplights, like just, you know, in that simple two or three minutes, the powerful impact that that can have when you make it your own. I think that's something really, really important to remember. Yeah, I think that it that's the key piece is making your own because if someone gives you a, a like a breathing technique or something, if it doesn't work for you, you're just not going to use it. Um, and there's different kinds. There's kinds to just center ourselves and just be in our bodies and just be aware of what's going on in our bodies. And there's sometimes when you need to be redirected, so your brain needs something else to focus on. And I know I have severe anxiety, which is why I, I went on this mindfulness journey. So I know what kind of breathing technique I need to use or mindfulness technique, you know, if I'm like, okay, let me name five things I can see. Let me name four things I, you know, can hear. So I'll know if I need to do that or, you know, count my breathing in and out, or if I need to just sit in my feelings and be able to just be like, this is transient and this will pass. So it's a lifelong thing, but I think the younger you are when you learn it, the more just the more you can do it for yourself and you know everything increases academics increase joy increases relationships you know are more positive communication is more positive so it's just all good stuff basically 
all good stuff and a lot, a lot of hope. You are giving a lot, a lot of hope to kids, to their families and to their future adult selves. And those of us that will have the pleasure of working and going to school with them, because truly, you know, these teaching these mental health skills at the beginning are really going to set the rest of us up for our adult futures as well, which is very, very cool. Um, So Ronnie, how do we get a hold of you? How do we, you know, attend your classes or bring our kids to your classes? So I'm in, like I said, Santa Cruz, California, and I um, have a couple classes that I teach at our local children's museum. Um, You can always get a hold of me through my website, mindfulearlylearning.com, and email me. and, And if you want me to come into a school or if you have a group, you know, your own little self-contained group that you want to have a class with, just let me know. There's, I'm very flexible. We can do all kinds of stuff. Um, there's that way to get a hold of me. You can find me on social media too, and just kind of grab some of the breathing techniques or activities off there. I post some free activities as well, links to that. Um, so there's a couple different ways to, to get a hold of me. And, you know, I, I love to hear from families and, um, I just, you know, would love to work with your children. Mm, that's amazing. We will absolutely link to all of those places in the show notes, make it real easy for people to get a hold of you. Ronnie, what gives you hope? Doing this and seeing the feedback from the children gives me a lot of hope. My intention with starting this was uh, suicide and addiction has affected my life in many different ways. And my overarching intention of Mindfully Me Camp, which is what the camp is called, is to give kids the healthy coping strategies and skills when they're little so that they're not growing up and feeling like they have to reach for something that's unhealthy, you know, get into addiction, feeling like they're worthless or they're hopeless. And, you know, we doing things that just, we don't want them to do. We want them to grow to be healthy, happy, joyous, competent human beings. And that's what gives me hope is when I see kids doing these things on their own now and being supported by their families, I know that, okay, they're using this and they're going to keep using it. And then, you know, they're going to be able to do the kind of stuff I was never able to do, you know, as a, as a kid, they're going to grow up knowing that these things exist and it's not some hippie, you know, mumbo jumbo it's stuff that really actually works based in evidence and science and practice and all that good stuff your mission feels so beautiful so intentional and will truly have a legacy for those kids for their families for their communities and their future selves as well ronnie it is so 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 great to be able to speak with you thank you for joining me it has been a real pleasure to learn what you do and to feel the hope that comes through uh in your work and and in your voice as well Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. I'm so grateful I got to be here and talk to you and and just get to talk about a topic that I'm so passionate about. Well, and it definitely comes through in your voice. So I know that you will be, have been, and will continue to be so um, impactful, positively impactful on the, on the people and the families that you serve. So thank you very, very much. It's been a real pleasure. Take care. Yet another incredible story. I mean, I literally say that after every episode. But I wouldn't publish episodes I didn't think were incredible now, would I? I mentioned in the introduction that it's my sincere privilege to share space with these guests, to bring their stories and their expertise to the podcast airwaves. And honestly, I learned so much from their wisdom at the same time. That's the thing about this work. It's in the storytelling. 
the language we use to express our innermost narratives. That's what has the most power of transformation. Sometimes, when we don't know the words to use, we just won't say anything at all, and that can lead to negative rumination, when the stressors in our lives can lead to burnout. The topic of burnout, stress, and why the differences between the two matter is something we talk a lot about in my most popular training workshop titled From Burnout to Hope. In this 60-minute workshop, you'll learn to apply evidence-based strategies and tactics to reverse your feelings of overwhelm and languishing and activate the hope circuit in your brain for a future better than today. It's transformational, personal, and dare I say, guaranteed to increase your hope levels. You've heard me say it a hundred times, but I believe that fear is louder in the dark and talking about loud about the fears, aspirations, and the anxiety-inducing situations we find ourselves in is an amazing way to move towards the transformation of a future better than today. If you'd like to learn more about language and how you can leverage the science of hope in your life, I'd love to share the From Burnout to Hope training workshop with you. You can find more information about it on my website at expertinhope.com forward slash burnout to hope. I truly believe that the future will be better than today by taking action over the things we can control. And conversations like this really reinforce that hope. Looking forward to keeping the conversation going, so reach out anytime. As always, I'm here when you need me.